Hey, Reggie, what's going on, sir? We all set? Oh, what are you, you pointing to my throat? Yeah, yeah, my voice looks, is, it feels good now. Yeah, I don't, I don't sense any hoarseness or um, straining at all. It was, I, I, had a, I had a cold for a good four or five days, though. It's clogged and things like that, but we're back to normal. I have a strong immune system. Even when it gets, uh, you know, a little weakened at times, it bounces back fairly quick. <laughs> All right, are we ready to go? So am I. I'll give you the, um, the three S's and the countdown. Give me the music of your podcast. How's that? I like where the levels are. Keep them right there. We are at, uh, what now is it, 357, podcast number 357. And this, um, we're almost in April. Aren't we? Will this one post? This one will will post. No, it won't post. No, it'll be still March, but we're almost there. We're we're almost close to our uh, the anniversary back in in you know in May of 2016. My God, seven years it'll be. All right, ready to go. Here we go. Star smile strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. No, I didn't like that one. Yeah, I know. I know the last time we did it last week, it, it hit right away on the second one, which just sounded really good, but that was lucky, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's try it again. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, just listening. No, no, that doesn't cut it. You got to get out there. Taking it to the streets, my friends. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty and that devotion, oh, I can't tell you what it does to the insides of my, my aorta and my veins of my heart. Oh, it just soothes me. If you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com, hit the uh, prompt for this podcast. Well, first hit the podcast prompt, then hit the prompt for prompt for this podcast, and my God, you will just be inundated with podcast after podcast after podcast. Just keep scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down. Get up to, uh, get up to date. Find out where we were so you know where we're going. My latest tally tells me this is episode number 357. So as we continue, uh, some recollections. My, my audio version of my home movies of our vacation. <laughs> it's an audio version of home movies, if you will. Uh, talked uh, a little bit about uh, my recent trip to um, the Middle East, to uh, Israel and Egypt, and talked about 
what was the the impetus or the the motivation of going to see that last week talked about uh, some interesting things that happened in Israel and I thought I would uh, talk a little bit about some of the interesting uh, things that uh, that happened in Egypt as well as I've said the great thing about vacations and you would know that I said this if you would do as I recommend and you go back and listen to previous podcasts. If you haven't heard the uh, the last two podcasts, which I've been talking about my vacation, then, you know, you might want to go listen to those two first to get yourself up to date with this one. This is a little listener's guide for you here today. <laughs> if you've been along for the ride, <laughs> excuse me, if you've been along for the ride, then uh, here we go. We're out of Israel and into Egypt. I didn't tell you, though, on the day we were leaving for Egypt, uh, (laughs) from Israel, we had to leave our room at like 2.30 in the morning. We had a very early flight, and uh, obviously we get to the airport, blah, 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 so we had to leave our hotel at 2.30. And once again, I was telling you uh, about... A couple of um, podcasts ago. I've actually done three now. I forgot about that. This is the fourth one, and this probably will be the last one. So, But I really, I th- I really feel like I, I want to share some uh, of uh, this experience because it really was a, a very uh, transformational, in many ways, uh, trip. It, it's a, a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and I really came away with some new uh, ideas and, and appreciations for this uh uh, and and more of a, a, an awareness of the the entire Middle East. I didn't go to the entire Middle East, but just being in there, uh, it's hard not to um, to come away with some some memories and some thought provoking uh, experiences and ideas to change the way that maybe you thought about a certain place. That's what I love about traveling so much because you do get to learn. Not only see the sights, but hopefully you get to learn a little bit about the country. You walk the streets, you talk to some people, you get a vibe and a sense of the place, and you get a, a total new awareness and appreciation of, of different people and different lands. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, much more, it's much different and much more impactful and influential when you're visiting and you're there as opposed to perhaps reading books or looking at magazines or watching television travel shows or hearing from other people. But I'm trying my best to re- <laughs> excuse me, recreate some of the, um, the experiences that we had. So I, I said a couple of podcasts ago how I enjoy being Mr. Organized Travel Guy. And uh, I got in, and, and, and I, I sort of lost my, my reputation for that with a, a small snafu uh, with boarding passes for my wife. <laughs> but this one could have been major. And this is one of those things that when, after it, when it happens, it hits you, and then you go, oh, my gosh, thank God, and then you move on. But I've been thinking about this more and more, like what would I have done? And so 3 a.m., and, you know, we have to we have to get out of the room and everything, and uh, we're packing and we're getting ready to go, and you, you know you do that last sweep of the room. You know, uh, you check under the beds, you go back in the bathroom, and you make sure you've taken all your toiletries and things, and you 
go through that last look through all the drawers to make sure you didn't leave anything in there and every little nook and cranny, all the different drawers and the little spaces that are in a hotel room there you could put clothes or sunglasses or whatever. And I'm usually done uh, with getting ready in terms of being dressed and packed and everything before my wife. It's part of being the organized travel guy. That's that's part of uh, what goes into that, of being the organized travel guy, is that you are organized. And so I'm always packing, you know, the night before, hours before, and then leaving out just what I need. And it's all laid out on a chair somewhere. There's, here's the clothes I'm going to wear, the socks, the shoes. It's all there. Get together all your travel information. That is certainly important when you're in a foreign country. Make sure you've got your passport and all your documents and all your, uh, you know, itinerary. And maybe you have some boarding passes already. I told you I have my official travel portfolio uh, envelope that makes me, that helps to identify me as Mr. Organized Travel Guy. So all that's all, you know, go into that bad little safe that's in the uh, the closet, you know, with your little code number there. And they always tell you, make sure put your hand all the way in the back, on the bottom and in the back. So I did that. I, you know what, what kills me about that, that that little safe that's in the thing? They always put a piece of, of like of, of, of fabric or carpet, almost carpeting on the bottom. And I get that because maybe people put... Um, valuables maybe perhaps jewelry and uh, you don't want to put that on metal something that could be scratched could be jewelry could be other things so they put this this nice piece of uh, of felt or or even like carpeting or some kind of a material so that it's cushioned which makes sense on the other side of the coin though what's bad about that is that things can get stuck to that and especially that's what they always say, put your hand all the way in the back, because if you fill that thing up, it's always dark in that safe. It's kind of sometimes it's 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 too high or too low. You don't have a good vantage point to see. So you're basically feeling around in there. I don't know why they do that. It should be eye level. And you say, well, Jim, what's eye level? Right. I mean, somebody that, you know, what's eye level? So I, I, I get that. But many times it's very low. And I don't think, you know, three-foot children are using the safe. So I think it would be safe, no pun intended, to maybe put it at five feet three or four. Even if you're six foot, you, you know, a woman can look into it. Most women are between maybe, you know, five feet, five, seven, five, eight. There's some taller women, obviously, but I'm just saying to try to be average the average height of a man is about five nine five ten so you know obviously there's some men that are six five six seven okay but you want to try at least don't put it three feet that's where that's where 12 that's not even 12 that's where six-year-olds are i don't think they're using the safe <sighs> but anyway but i went through that got all that done all set i'm sitting in one of the chairs and uh, I'm all, you know, I'm just waiting now. It's time we're going to leave in about five minutes or so, or 10 minutes, and waiting for my wife to get ready. I'm all packed. Bags are at the door. 
I've got everything all set. I've got my phone, you know, right next to me here. I'm kind of just paging through it to kill some time. TV is off. Bed is not made. But, oh, I mean, when I leave a room, whether it's for the day or even when we actually check out, oh, I, I, I would love to have a, I would love to just be the, uh, the 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 maid or whoever comes in I don't know is is maid a, 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 can can we even say maid anymore I don't know is that a is that a wrong term the chambermaid I don't know what you call them. uh anymore you know I'm not trying to be sexist or anything here but when, but whoever comes in to, to 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 prepare the room for the next guest how's that <laughs> um oh they have to walk in. I mean certainly they have to they have to clean things and they have to change the sheets and all that but uh you know. I've been in some people's rooms where it looks like a uh, a disaster area hit. You know, when, when I leave a room, I don't make the bed because I'm sure that they change the sheets. I hope sheets. I hope they do. But at the very least, I mean, I don't just leave all the covers all in a big ball rolled up. You know, and the and the pillows all askew. I even out the bedspread or the duvet or whatever is they're using, and I put the the pillows back. In order, you know, straight, if there's two of them, one on top of the other on each side, if it's a bigger bed, uh, you know, and I clean out, you know, all the all the dressers are, are done. If I have to rearrange, like, say, the little desk in there to make room for things, I put it back the way it was. If I have to move a, a tea tray or the uh the little books that they have about the hotel you put those away somewhere if you had to put a computer on that desk or or use it but when i leave i return everything to the way it looked and even in the bathroom i mean obviously they're gonna have to clean the bathroom but i throw out all the used soap i throw out the used shampoo so all that stuff that's there the you know all the towels are in a bunch they're they're all together and they're either in the tub or they're in the shower in a big pile so they're easy to get to they're not all over the floor in different spots the floor and, I, and at the very least I even wipe off the counter of the you know of the vanity in the bathroom you know when you're washing and you're shaving and you're you're doing everything you know water gets on there you uh, before we leave, I take one more. I take a, 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 a towel and I wipe that. I wipe that off in the bathroom. Oh yes, all the towels in the bath mat in a in a pile in the shower or in, if there's a tub in the tub, so they're all in one spot, easy to get to. And the floor isn't wet. If I see some wet floor from the shower, whatever, wipe that up. Oh yeah, when I I mean. I mean, they're going to have to clean it anyway. I get it. But at, at least uh, they don't have to start, you know, eight layers before they get to actually. They can come right in and just, okay, I can start cleaning as opposed to first removing all this mess and then cleaning. So, yeah, that's part of uh, of being an organized travel guy. Um, so, I once again, I pride myself on being so organized and having all this thing. So, I'm uh, waiting for my wife patiently. <laughs> or my my version of patiently <laughs> uh, and uh and I'm just kind of scrolling on my phone. Yes, look at me. Didn't have a uh, 
what, year and a half ago, never even had a smartphone. Now I sit there and scroll. Look at me. Like a, like a pro, like I've been doing it for 15 years. And, um, and, the, and the, you know, there's a knock on the door. Because they had asked us, or, you know, if, you, we'd, if we'd like, you could put your bags outside of the room and they will be taken down to the, uh, to the lobby and to the bus. Uh, I'm not big. I'm not keen on that. I don't like the fact. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to open your bag, but you know, you put them out at three in the morning. Who's, who's in the, who's in the hallways watching the hallways at three in the morning. So I was like, you know what? We were, we had a room right near, very convenient near the elevator. I said, you know what? This way we don't have to rush. Cause they always want those bags like an, a half hour before you're going to leave. So I said, you know what? We have to go down there. This way, my wife could, you know, could take her time as well, even though my bags were ready, Mr. Organized Travel Guy. Um, but uh, so I said, you know what, we'll, we'll just take them down ourselves. Don't worry about it. So the guy knocks on the door. Oh, do you have bags? So I get up and I said, no, no, we'll, we're fine. You know, we're fine. We're, we'll take them down. And he says, oh, are you sure? Yeah, 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 okay, okay. So, and we're, it's almost time to go down anyway. I was surprised. He was a little late. He was late if he was supposed to take those bags. They're supposed to be there about a half hour before. So kind of surprised me that he would be knocking, but maybe he just figured, well, let me just, he knew the rooms probably that, uh, that, were, that would be checking out at that time. So it was nice that he came, but, um, you know, we said no. Now, who knows if this would have happened if he had not knocked on the door, right? So this this could be a chicken and egg kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but thankfully, this worked out because this could have been a very, very uh, major, not just an inconvenience, but a problem. So in the flurry... And notice how, my, how, how I'm always providing you with um, a reason for my, uh, my, my lapse, <laughs> my lapses <laughs> as being Mr. Organized Travel Guy. Um, I'm, I'm scrolling on my phone and then knock on the door. So I put the phone down on the little table next to the chair and I, uh, I go to answer the door, but blah, blah, no, no, no. So he, you know, that uh, he leaves, and now we're almost done. We're ready to go anyway. It was getting close. You know, that's probably why he was checking. And so I'm like, well, okay, let's go. My wife's all ready. She does, zips up the last of the bags, brings it down, you know, takes off the bed. I've got mine already waiting at the door. And uh, I check. I do just a very cursory quick look with the eyes. Everything's gone. But I know I've, already, I've checked everything. You know, before I sat down to scroll, I did... The once over, I went on the floor, looked under the bed, looked under the desk, looked in all the drawers, looked in all the closets, looked in the safe. I did all those checklist things. There's nothing left to be done. I was very confident of that. So, you know, you, but before you leave, you give one last look and then you shut the lights out. I open the, sh- I open up the curtains. So when the maid comes in, it's, it's wide open for them. You know, the sun is there. Oh, I, it's as if, you know, it's, it's almost like they're coming into a, a, to a clean room. 
<laughs> I, I I feel for the the people that have to clean these rooms. I I would love to be there to have them just go. Oh boy, is that nice? So um, I walk out, and uh, so now we're waiting in the lobby for all the people on our group to come down and get ready to go on the bus and leave. And I'm just sitting there, um, and we're talking to people, and we have our bags, and all of a sudden, the uh, the bellman that went up to our room to ask if we wanted our bags taken down, he comes down, and I can see him looking around, and he sees me, and he says, um, is this your phone? And I'm like, oof, and I'm checking around, and sure enough, it was my phone. I left my phone, not in San Francisco. <laughs> I left my phone. You know, I when 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 I was scrolling, he knocked on the door. I put it on the small little table next to one of the little comfy chairs, and that those chairs have a high armrest, so that little table is always very low. And so I put it down, and then we were in the hustle and bustle of the guy saying no, and it's time to go. I didn't really go back to that chair again. I stayed in the hallway and said, well, let's just get going now. So I never went back to that chair for that final look through. I looked. I did a cursory look from halfway in, but I didn't go way into the room. Always got. I remember that now. Go way in. Now, I don't know why at 3 a.m., why was he in the room? I mean, I mean, my gosh, I, I thankfully, for some reason, he came back to the room to check the room. Thank God. I don't know why he did that, if that's what they do. I told you on a previous podcast that um, this was a very nice hotel, the King David Hotel in, uh, in Jerusalem. It's like the hotel. Princes stay there. So maybe this is part of their, because certainly the, the, the maids were not walking around fixing the rooms at 3 a.m. Everybody's sleeping. So I don't know if it was this Bellman's initiative or that's part of what they do when people leave before they leave, they check the rooms. I I don't know, but thank God that he went in there and saw my phone because at 3 a.m., I mean, we were getting on the bus. We'd be at, we'd be on our way to the, to Tel Aviv, to the, um, to the airport, and then who knows how I could have I would have gotten that. Even if they found it, even if they realized it was mine, even if I called from Egypt or called from the airport to say, "Hey, how would I get it?" I mean, we had a few hours, but you know, would they would they drive it to the airport? I don't think so. And my gosh, in today's world, without yourself, I mean, you know, it's it's great the abilities of the smartphone but it does it does carry a lot of our our information i do have that little wallet portfolio thing and i always do have backups on hard uh, you know on on paper hard copy things but some things are just emailed to you and you got to use and show that and wow Whew. And at the time, I mean, I, 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 you know, gave the guy a couple of bucks. Thank you so much. I mean, and I didn't really. I mean, I was like doing those. Oh my! Oh, thank God! And no, you know. 
But in retrospect, oh my gosh, that would have been horrendous. So thankfully, everything worked out, but that would have really been another kind of, oh, and another checkmark against my organized travel guy reputation. I don't know. I'm going to have to work on that. I mean, now as I even say this out loud, I don't know. I was still, I mean, I would say, uh, you know, for the, you know, it was 16 days. I was pretty well organized, as I usually am. But um, between giving my wife the wrong boarding pass (laughs) when we were leaving, (laughs) when we were leaving Israel to go to Egypt and, uh, and then, or no, I think it was Cairo de Luxor. And then, uh, and then I would have left my, my, my smartphone in, in Israel. I mean, by all, for, by all rights, I should have, that should, I, we should have been on, we should have been out of the airport, out of the, out of the hotel, on the bus and to the airport before anyone found that thing. By the time they, they clean up the rooms, probably at six or seven, or eight o'clock, we would have been, we would have already been in Egypt. Having left that hotel at three and someone came in there at six or seven or eight to really clean the room up. So, oh, I don't know why he did it, but wow. Thankfully, he did that. But um, I've been talking about Israel, uh, I mean, about uh, Egypt throughout and, you know, some of the sites that I had seen and why I wanted to see them and some of these amazing sites and and how you are just... um, you're just awestruck when you see, especially in Egypt, so many of these sites, the Great Pyramids, so many of these temples with the carvings and the paintings and the tombs, uh, Valley of the Kings, Valley of the Queens, uh, the temples at uh, Abu Simbal and um, Karnak Temple, Luxor Temple, uh, Edfu, just, you know, just so many. It, it, you know, it. it uh, I, I don't want to be redundant, uh, but they really are just uh, awe-inspiring. And you and you look at these, and you and you just, you can't imagine how the heck they were built. And and I will come away, and I and I still, even when I look at the pictures, I'm I just I can't believe you know when I was there and I saw them and I. You know, it's really it, it, what, what it's really done is is try is really opened my mind to 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 wonder, you know, about knowledge. Like, why why isn't knowledge passed on from civilization to civilization? And was it, or was it a lost civilization? There's a lot of questions that that have kind of come into my mind when you see these things in person. And I would just have to say to you that uh, there's only so much that I can express to you by describing it. And there's another part that some of these things just have to be seen to be believed. And I hope that all of you, if you have a uh, an inclination to see any of these things, I hope you get a chance to do it. I guarantee you, you will be changed. You will be transformed. You will have a different viewpoint on on the ancient civilizations of Egypt and Israel. They are that they are that awe-inspiring and majestic and and just baffling. What I loved most about the trip is it, it was a mix of history 
and mystery. It really was. That's exactly the way I would describe it. History and mystery. Because it's loaded with history of these 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 structures and these sites and everything um you know from from 5000 years ago and then there's the mystery of them in Egypt how were they built how are they still standing in Israel the the religious sites are these the real places and if they are did these things really happen you're you're just you're constantly confronted with both proof and questions you know circumstantial evidence but nothing definitive we see them here they're there they're they they're here somewhere but how were they built and even the religious sites this is where this was supposed to have happened. Well, now you're, you know, it's one thing to read about it and, and, and be schooled on it and taught about it, but when you, when you go to the country and say, okay, well, this is supposedly where this happened, where perhaps Jesus walked down the street when he was uh, carrying the cross, or this is where he was crucified, or, or this is where he was born. I mean, these are, these are sites, as I said many times, uh, that have been accepted, but then you go, okay, I'm seeing this, but then uh, is it? So that's what made this trip so fascinating and different than many other trips. I've been to some places too, like in, in, in Rome and Pompeii and in, in ancient civilizations, Greek, where you've seen that. But these just, there is a, there's a different aspect to them because they do go so far back and they are so... They are just so um, momentous in many ways, figuratively and physically. So it was a, for me, it was a trip of history and mystery and also fun. And here's the thing that I have to tell you about. Once again, can't, can't, can't plan for this on all the itineraries. Now, I should say, the story that I'm going to relate, I, I, I did have some knowledge of this but i never would have expected it to have to be in in reality what it really was uh being a, a, a an avid traveler and someone who loves travel and, and learning about different things and going to different places i do a lot of research about places that i think i might want to go to or when i'm booked to go i do run a research on what i need to see and my wife makes jokes, but at the same time, you know, oh my gosh, I got this list because I really do my homework. That's another aspect of being an organized travel guy. When we go to a place, I mean, I make sure that we see what we should see and then maybe some things that are off the beaten path, but I definitely make sure we see what we, what we see. And many times uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people that have been the same place as that, that we have and I'll say, well, did you go here, here? And they're like, wow, wh- where, what, huh, what? That's part of being organized travel guy. You've got to do your research. So I do my research online. I, 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 I go to the library and get those travel books. Yes, I actually do have a library card. I'm one of the few that actually still goes to the library. I like going to the library. And, uh, and I take out the travel books 
for different countries or cities and 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 you know just back that up then with other online uh you know research I might do and we also watched the the, the several travel shows on television longtime fan of Rick Steves on PBS and uh so always and he always does a nice mix of doing the the main sites that you should see as well as some of the lesser known things and like I said we've seen some other things thanks to Rick Steves that we never would have known even existed and that other people go wow I didn't even know that was there it's like yeah I saw it on Rick Steves so I do my homework and uh, and so as luck would have it it was it was uh, you know maybe it's just once again one of those things that you don't pay attention to something until it's 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 on your radar screen, but within two to three weeks before we were leaving in late January, there on the Rick Steve, you know, they always show reruns. He does, you know, he's, he's he goes to the major cities around the world. By by somewhat accident, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm channel surfing, and it says, "Oh, Rick Steve's Europe." You know, Rick Steve's. You know, you know what's he got? I saw the show that he did on Israel, and the two shows he did. It was an hour special on Egypt. <laughs> Within two or three weeks before we're leaving, so it was a great way to to um, add to the list or reinforce and 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 see what he had to say. So it was it was very lucky, and we got a chance to watch those, and and we uh, we did. And so we, I always like to go to a place a little informed. You know, in terms of of what where things are and and what things are, we were on a tour this time, so a lot of that stuff is done for you. But still, I like to go to to any city or country with a little background information on some of the places that we're going to see and some of the the history of it, just to, as I said before, to help immerse yourself and understand the city or the country that you're going to. So one of the cool things that uh, that they showed on the Rick Steves Egypt special um, was, and I think I was talking to you about the the the, uh, the salespeople there in Egypt. Very aggressive. You always have to walk through a market or a bazaar to get to a main thing. I mean, that's the way it is, and uh, it's it's always uh, there's a lot of bartering that goes on, and it's very aggressive, and um, it's part of the culture. I get it. I mentioned I'm not really a fan of it. But, you know, you partake a little when you have to. But this is something I've never seen. And we've been on several cruises around the world and in different areas, and I've never seen this. This was completely unique to Egypt. Um, and we saw it first on the Rick Steve show. Uh, he's talking about, you know, because up, up the Nile, on the Nile there's there's – all different types of cruise ships and ships that are there's day tour ships going up and down the Nile. There's, you know, river cruises like we were on. Um, so there's a lot of ships going uh, on the Nile in both directions, which then, of course, creates a captive audience for these aggressive salespeople. Right, if they're aggressive on land, you know, okay, you know, some people might shop in the 
and you know, might go to the markets and, and, and do some shopping. But people like me, I put my head down and I didn't, like I said before, I didn't make eye contact in Egypt for eight days. I put my head down and just walked through them. I, I, I wouldn't even stop to maybe even browse because once you showed any interest at all, if your eyes moved towards something, they were on you. How much? How much? How much you want? How much you want? Come on, come on, come on, come on. When you think about it, the actual cruise ships and these many ships are, as I said, a captive audience, right? I mean, I can, I can walk past the uh, the shops, but if I'm on a ship, where am I going to go, right? So kind of a captive audience. Once again, I didn't appreciate or enjoy the experience all that much, but I have to give them a plus for ingenuity, tenacity, and moxie, and innovation, no question. And we first saw this on the Rick Steve show, and I was waiting for it to happen. And it didn't happen until almost the last day of our trip. So Rick Steve shows, he said, well, there's one aspect in Egypt, that is, I guess it is new, unique, and I, I've never seen it other places. Now, maybe it will become more more uh, popular because it's it's a heck of an idea. But in Egypt, because there's so many of these different ships and different size ships, there's no big cruise ships with thousands of people because the Nile can't handle that. But there is a lot of river cruise types of ships and smaller ships and ferries and and different things that you know that have people on them and if you're on the ship in the middle of the water you're as i said before you're a captive audience these salespeople get on a rowboat they pack their rowboat with all their wares mostly material things Tablecloths, dresses, T-shirts, uh, you know, Afghan type of things, uh, beach towels—you you name it. Uh, Tablecloth, mostly you know, fabric kind of things, and they will row up to the ship or the boat. And they will tie themselves, they will, they will tie their boat with a rope onto the boat, onto something hanging. And many times the, the, the boat is moving. Now, you know, those, those, those river boats uh, and the ships, they don't really, they're, they're not, they're really not really flying that fast. And especially the Nile is not that wide. It's wide, but it's not like an ocean. I mean, you look from side to side and you can, you know, you, you can see people's faces in many, from the ship in many cases, you know, it's, it's not like it's that it's not is as wide as you may have thought. It's not narrow, but it's not, it's not an ocean away. And so Rick Steves is showing how these, these uh, and they call them pirates, which is funny. Now, they're not really pirates, uh, but, I, well, I don't know. I guess, are, are, they, are, they, are they pillaging? Maybe. 
in some way. So they row their boats up to the to the ships, the cruise ships. They tie their rowboats to the side of the ship, something that's hanging from them. And then they 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 start to yell at the at at the tourists, you know, on the decks or on their balconies or whatever, you know. Uh and they show, okay, look at this. Hey, hey, look at lady. Hey, lady. Hey, mister. Hey, mister. And there's a tablecloth or there's a dress or there's a, a T-shirt or there's a shirt or there's some kind of a thing. And they show you from their boat. So you're looking down over the railing. And they're standing in their little boats. There's two guys usually, sometimes three, but mostly two. These are not big. They're just little rowboats. But they're filled with all these with all these items, all these products, all these wares of theirs. Many of these things that you can see when you go to the you know the clothing types of things that you could see when you go to the bazaars. Nothing hard, no trinkets. You know they're not selling any pyramids or anything. Because the main reason that they're not selling any kind of trinkets or anything hard is because of the way they will sell this to you. They obviously are not allowed to come on the boat. So the way that they first show you from a distance, they get your attention, so they're screaming, and there's usually about two or three of them on each side. So they're actually battling against themselves too. And um, But what they do is okay i say oh you know maybe he's he's holding up a tablecloth right some egyptian silk tablecloth who knows what it is right maybe it's just some some uh, beach towel with uh you know king tut's face you know death mask picture on it or something so it could be something that's fairly nice and quality and some things that are just you know a t-shirt whatever so they'll show it to you from the boat down in the water and most of these boats are have several decks so you're always looking over the railing and looking down over at them while they're they're looking at you so they're not it's i mean they're not right on you because they're way down on the water most of the ships have five or six decks four decks so it's pretty it's a pretty high high ship so they will show you what they want you know, or what you you know to show you what the, these different things, or to tap into their usual Egyptian aggressive sales um, technique. <laughs> this is where the interesting and fun part happens. They will put this. Say it's a tablecloth. They will put it in a plastic, a clear plastic bag, and they will throw it from their rowboat in the water up to the top of the deck or wherever you're at. And all, so all of a sudden you're standing there and this thing comes, this, this projectile comes flying and <laughs> lands on the ground if you're not paying attention and it might hit you, but it's, you know, but it's cloth. So even if it hits you, it's not going to hurt you that much. That's why I think they probably don't sell trinkets because if you, if you threw a, a, a pointy pyramid up from there, you could take somebody's eye out, kid. You know, if you, if you, if you threw a, uh, a Nefertiti or a King Tut or a Ramses statue or a Horus statue or an Isis statue, 
uh, you could you could hurt somebody as you throw this thing up. It, it gains a lot of velocity. But if you've got some a T-shirt or a dress or a tablecloth or or a shirt or whatever, it's you know it's you know you first of all it's big. So even if you're not paying attention, you can't help but see this thing coming. And a lot of times, uh, you know, there will be people around that are bartering with them. But sometimes they th- do throw it farther, and it goes over their heads, and it does hit this, the deck. So you could be sitting at a table somewhere, and all of a sudden this thing comes hit, you know, flying at you. So then you have to get a little more acclimated, like, okay, wait a minute, I better prepare for this. So uh, Rick Steve showed this on his show. He called them these pirates, and 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 then it seems as if the cruise ships they must. Uh, they either slow down for this, or they 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 they. I don't know if they encourage it, but they certainly indulge it. Mm-hmm. Because we then like anchored for about forty minutes, and that allowed them then to then you know really sell their wares for like forty minutes. So they went to both sides and the back and the front of the ship, and they're always trying to find people in there. So, you know, because the, the day, so I was surprised because, so I saw this and I said, geez, I wonder if we're going to see those pirates. Because you see this on the Rick Steves thing, and it looks very interesting. And it's like, well, that would be kind of strange. I wonder what that's like, you know. So we were on the, uh, the ship up and, you know, up and down the Nile for, what, six and a half, maybe seven days. And we hadn't seen them. And I was even asking a couple of days, you know, I I haven't seen those pirate guys. Now, for the most part, we we, we we sailed um, in the late afternoon or in the evening to get to our next destination the next day. Um, But we did have one or two days where we kind of had a, a very nice, relaxing kind of sailing day for about four or five hours. Um, one day, maybe two or three hours. But this, but this one day, the day before we were going to leave, um, we had this this major sailing day where we were pretty much on the water for about six or seven or eight hours. So it was very nice. It was very relaxing because we had really been on the move from when we started in Israel you know, a week and a half before that. So um, we were we were on the go every day. So it was nice as we were, as, the, as the, uh, the trip was ending, maybe the day before, that we just had this nice sea day where we just could relax. There was, uh, there were no, you know, they had, they have, they have little activities on the, on the ship if you'd like to go, but for the most part, you can just kind of relax. So I was up on that, deck from early in the morning and i mean I, there's times when i had it all to myself and uh but then as the day went on more people came up and you met people you're talking to everybody and so all of a sudden i said to my wife i said geez you know we haven't seen those pirate guys that we saw on rick steves and i was saying geez i wonder if because we went on a viking um tour and i said wow i wonder maybe viking you know, maybe they don't come to the Viking ship. Maybe, 
you know, Viking, since it's such a, a major line and a prominent line, maybe they don't feel that they want their guests to be subject to this. I mean, it's, it's certainly an interesting aspect that seems to be very specific to Egypt. But as I said, you know, we had been encountered every moment we were on land in Egypt. Every moment we were on land, people were constantly coming up to you trying to sell something. I mean, everywhere you went, everywhere you went, even if you weren't in the market, they were carrying things, beads and, 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 and jewelry or T-shirts. I mean, everywhere you went. So by the seventh day or so, it, it, you know, even if you enjoyed that, even if you, you know, enjoy the bartering or, or, or you did like the shopping of it, I think even the most uh, enthusiastic shoppers were getting a little tired of it because it really is intensive. Like I said, for me, that wasn't my cup of tea at all. Um, but I thought, well, geez, we haven't seen those pirates those guys that hook up to the side of the boat and, and throw the, the, you know, the, the shirts or the dresses or stuff in the plastic bags up onto the deck. We haven't seen those. I wonder, I said, wow, I wonder, maybe, you know, they know that they, you know, because you know, it says Viking, you know, on the ship. I said, well, maybe they, maybe Viking has so much pull that they've, that they've made it clear that they don't want their guests to, uh, to be subjected to this because I couldn't understand why. I mean, Rick Steves made it sound like this was commonplace in Egypt on the Nile. And yet here we were seven or eight days in, and we hadn't seen any, any even a hint of it. Well, uh, I was in for something. I mean, literally maybe two hours after I said that as just a, as a passing comment. Sure enough, in the distance, I see this little quasi-fleet if you will, <laughs> of rowboats <laughs> making their way toward the ship. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, I bet you those are the salespeople. And now a lot of people on the on the, the cruise on the ship, they did not know that this was was done. And they said, well, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm Rick Steves. I said, these guys, it looks like it, these guys, because they're all coming at, they're coming all toward our ship here. And we were, we were one of the only, in this one little area of where we were on the Nile, there weren't any other ships. I said, they're coming to our ship. I said, these are, yeah, these guys are going to be selling stuff. They're like, how, oh, what do you mean? So I explained everything. Sure enough, our ship was moving and they, they, they came up to the side of it, and they were yelling, oh, hey, ho, 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 you know, to get your attention. As I said, this was a ship. This was a sea day. So we, you know, people were out on the, the, the weather. We had just fantastic weather every day. So people were out on the deck enjoying the, the cruising and looking at the sights and the, both sides as we went to different cities and throughout so there was there were towns and then there was farmland and it was just beautiful so people were out on the deck as i said before we didn't really have a lot of time to see those kind of sites because we were always going on tours during the day and coming back at night and then it gets dark and you eat and you go to sleep 
So this was a, a nice opportunity for us to to get some cruise time in. A very laid back day. You're looking at the sights as you cruise by. Uh, everybody's has some drinks, so it's a very you know kind of just a lazy day, which everybody could use after. You know, there's seven or eight days for those who just had the cruise, and those of us had four extra days in Israel. So it was a welcome kind of relaxing day. Perfect atmosphere for these guys, right? Because everybody's just kind of, you know, sitting around and and got a couple of drinks, and you're laughing, and you're just kind of cruising and and, uh, soaking it all in, and you're very laid back. And all of a sudden, these guys are there. And even though you've been shopping, you know, if you certainly, if you wanted to, especially, you could have been shopping for seven days, seven days in a row. And so, but this was a different kind of shopping. So it's 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 unique. It's a novelty. And so initially, of course, you're just interested in it. And like I said, I I was aware of it. Most of the people were not. My wife and I were aware of, of what this was going on. Sure enough, there they came. And, as, and, and then, so our ship was moving very slow initially, and they did hook on. At least one of them did. But then we kind of went to the side. We didn't necessarily dock. We, didn't, we weren't in a dock, but we, we moved to a side, and then we anchored. And I don't know if we did this on purpose, or maybe, and maybe this is just a, they take advantage of this. But we had to go through a lock. You have several locks on the on the rivers with the different levels. And we had to go through a lock. And so there's all, you know, with, with all the ships that are coming through, every every ship, there's only one lock. You know, there's several. It's like a toll booth along the 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 river at different spots. But with but every ship has to go through the same one. So there's 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 a line to some extent. You have to wait. So our captain, our ship must have got word that, hey, you know, it's going to take at least an hour or 45 minutes. So they kind of just, rather than just, you know, so they they anchored. Well, these guys must know that. That's where they probably do. They probably hang out by the lock because they know these ships, there's always a line and there's always a wait. So once again, captive audience. These people ain't going nowhere. They they're, they're not going to get. They can't get off the ship. They're in the river, and yet the ship can't keep going forward anymore because they have to go through this lock. So uh, they've got a captive audience for a good forty-five minutes. So most likely that's why we hadn't seen them, because for the most part we didn't really go through a lot of locks during the day. We were always, uh, you know. Out on a on a, you know, we were sailing at night for the most part. So uh, there they were. So now, now it's even easier. Now they're totally. In fact, some of these guys then, when the ship was our ship was you know was kind of anchored for like forty minutes, they didn't even bother to hook onto the boat. They were just in their boats. They're a little farther away, so it gives them a better vantage point to see the people. So instead of because you're hooked under, if you're tied onto the boat, you got to look straight up. It's not that easy, although it is easier to probably throw it. But not if you want to get some nice arc on it. I got to say, these guys had some pretty good arms. They could throw. They could toss. They're probably very good at jarts. 
remember jarts. They were very good. There's always very good loft on their tosses. Good arc. Good, you know, so this so this way you don't you don't you know you don't hit people. So they would toss those things up. And uh so all of a sudden, you know, when our when our ship anchored, oh, now we were in full kind of hard sell mode. So now they're on both sides of the ship. Different sales guys. They all basically had the same stuff for the most part. And, uh, you know, they're so, hey, lady, hey, mister, hey, lady, hey, mister. And they've got the, you know, they, they, they've they got the big tablecloth and they un- unravel it and just show you the whole thing or the T-shirt or the thing. And then they said, and so people say, oh, no, no, no. Well, they don't take no for an answer. There's no such thing as no. Even if you say no, they'll show you this. Well, what about this? And what about this? And everybody says, no, no, no. But they don't take no for an answer. They don't take no for an answer on land and they don't take no for an answer on the water. So if you say no, that just spurs them on even more. Now they're even more motivated to, uh, to, to, to sell you. And this is where their little shtick comes in. So they will then take that same tablecloth that they had completely unfurled, and they'll roll it up and fold it up, throw it in a plastic bag, and all of a sudden you're, you're sitting there. I mean, if you're paying attention to them, over the railing and then you could see this thing come and they'll throw it to you because maybe you don't want it but then you become a quasi salesman for them on the ship because they toss this thing so you can't i mean no one's not going to catch it i mean there's this there's this there's this object flying at you this projectile is coming at you i mean just out of self-defense you're going to take it now once again it's it's fabric it's not hard but you know some of it. I mean, if you got if you got hit in the head with it, if you weren't paying attention, it wouldn't hurt, but it certainly would startle you. Um, so the people that are up against the railing are like are, are are the are the first ones that you know are either saying yes or no, no, no. But once again, that's not stopping them. So if they don't get any initial nibbles or initial interest, then that's when the throwing starts. <laughs> That's when the hard sell be first. Though they start, you know, they show you the stuff. Hey, 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 and then everybody says no. It's like okay, well, that they don't take no for an answer because this ship's going to be there for forty minutes. They know probably how long they're going to be there, so they're gonna they're gonna try to get that five dollars out of you one way or the other. So they start tossing these things, and so as I said, the people near the railing who are talking to them or looking at some of them, they will catch them and then they will say oh okay wait a minute now does anybody want this and they'll take it out of the bag and now they'll sh- your your fellow passengers your 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 shipmates if you will are becoming uh you know sales people now for the guy in the boat in fact one guy he started to, that's all he was doing then he was catching them all and saying okay here i have a tablecloth anybody want a tablecloth and then, whoop! Here's another one comes. Whoop, oh, okay. Here's a here's a beach towel with Nefertiti on it. Up, oh, up, oh, oh. Here's a man's shirt. Here's a man. You know. And I said, Are you gonna Are you getting a piece of this now? Are you getting a a cut of the profits or what? And one time, uh, you know, I mean, I leaned over and 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 just saw to try to see what was going on, but. You know, every a lot of other people are just very captivated and, and and having fun with them. No, no, no. My wife was there. No, 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 no. You know, uh, but they were still throwing stuff at her. 
you know and at one point this thing this guy threw one and it flew over the railing well over the railing and i was kind of sitting in the middle at a table and i had just gotten up and i looked up and here's this thing and boom i snatched it they're like wow nice catch you know and so i'm like does anybody want this no so then i'm like so i just threw it back over the railing because you, I mean, so if you don't want it, then then you throw it back. And so it's in a plastic bag, and so it won't hurt anybody when they toss it up on the deck. And then, as you throw it back down, hopefully you you you're, you know, if, especially if the if the uh, if their rowboat is tied to the side of the boat, then they're right next to it. So you just drop it, and it will go into their boat. But as I said, some of these guys, when our boat was anchored, they didn't even tie to the boat, so they were just kind of floating. And um, and then you had to throw it to them, and once again the the uh, the advantage of the plastic bag, if they, if uh, if you miss the boat, it's in a plastic bag, so it won't get ruined. And I, so I just took the thing because like this thing almost I mean sort of kind of hit me, and I'm like, geez, enough of this. So I just kind of looked at it and threw it back over, and I missed the boat. It was like, oh. You missed the boat. You missed the boat. And I was like, okay. First of all, you know, they had a big long stick. They you know, they go over and I get it. It was fine. I said, secondly, I said, uh, you know, I'm up four decks on a cruise ship here. I'm not kind of worried about that. I didn't ask for this thing to come flying at me to begin with. You know, I'm like, give me a break. But uh, I don't know if anybody... I think one or two people may have bought something. Uh, they didn't really sell a lot because the disadvantage was that by the time they came to our ship on the last day, I mean, people were pretty much, you know, they bought everything they needed. So I would, have, I would suggest that those guys try to hit the ships earlier rather than later because by the time... I don't remember. I mean, they were there for a good 45 minutes, if not even, well, probably about 45 minutes. But I don't remember seeing a lot of people buying a lot of stuff. They certainly were trying their best. I had to give them, as I said before, A for effort, A for ingenuity, A for tenacity, A for perseverance. But I'm not sure how many things actually sold because by that time, everybody was, everybody was bought out. I mean, they bought everything for the last five or six days. We were constantly walking past uh, markets every site we saw and the things that they had to sell were not unique they were what everyone else had so i guess it was just for those who you know you know sometimes a lot of people will not shop during the trip they will wait until the last couple of days and say okay you know what i haven't bought anything and i need to get maybe a t-shirt for my you know grandson or whoever it is or oh, this looks nice. I haven't bought anything. I should get a. I should get some kind of a keepsake or remembrance. And they will buy closer to the end of the trip rather than either the beginning of the trip or throughout the trip. A lot of times, you know, you say, "Well, let me, let me. I don't want to buy something at the beginning because what if there's something really I like? I see later, and I, I spend a lot of money at the beginning. So there's a lot of different ways to approach this. But I didn't see a lot of people buying things. Um, on our ship, as I told you uh, in some earlier podcasts too, we only had like fifty people on the ship. It was a smaller ship, and so we didn't have hundreds of people. There was 
you know, 50 people at, you know, so who knows how many people were actually on the deck at the time. So they didn't really, they didn't really, uh, make a lot of sales, but they certainly did, uh, provide some interesting entertainment and it was fun for a while. But then the problem was they, you know, I think, you know, if they would have sold some stuff, then they wouldn't have been as, as tenacious. And the problem was, you know, they didn't want to go away empty handed. So, you know, even, you know, I mean, for me, I saw it for five minutes. I got, and I saw, I mean, I saw it on the television show before. Okay, it was funny. You go back, you're bartering. No, no, no. You throw it back. Everybody laughs. Ha, ha, ha. For me, that was about three minutes of interest and entertainment. And then I was done with it. Then it was just, I had to duck. You know, it was more of a nuisance because these things were were flying over the railings and, and like, you know, landing near me. Uh, and then, you know, but some people were into it for a good 20 minutes, but they would not leave because they weren't making any sales. So they just kept throwing these things. And it was like, okay, enough now. When he, I mean, no, no, we told you no, no, no. And they would not, they do, as I said before, they do not take no for an answer. So I think they kept, you know, that then it started to get like people, everyone just moved away from the railing and lost interest. But they kept throwing the stuff, even when people were not near the railings. They just kept throwing the stuff. And so you had to throw it back. I mean, that's part of the, you know, the little, the little social contract here. I mean, I'm not, we're not, I mean, in theory, we could have kept it, right? I mean, <laughs> if you really wanted to, but you're not going to do that to these guys. So, so now you have to, you know, they force you to engage with them, even though you, they, this is long past the novelty, long past the entertainment value. Now it's becoming a nuisance. At least it was for me. And I could see some other people. It's like, okay, once, once people moved off the railing, you knew they were done. But these guys were not done. And they kept throwing this stuff and throwing them. Finally, they got the clue. It's like, no, we don't. Does that, in fact, I think that the guy finally says, Look, does anybody want anything? No. Okay, nobody wants anything. We're done. And they still were throwing stuff. <laughs> so once again, I give them a lot of credit. Um, and it's a hell of a way to make a living. I'll tell you that. But I'm sure that over the course of a day, with all the ships, they, were, they, they, they saw us for, what, 35, 40 minutes? If they do that for eight hours a day, I bet you they make... You know, that's the funny thing. All these places, you know, they, they, the prices are very low, at least right now, because the exchange rate was, was, was in our favor. So the prices were not that high. So I have to think that these guys in any place, whether, whether it's these guys on the rowboat or the guys that have, you know, shops in these, in these markets and the bazaars, they have to work on volume because they're not making it really on, on high-priced individual things. So they have to make it on volume. And I bet you, these guys in the rowboat, I bet you they, they make out, I don't know if they're living in mansions, but, you know, I mean, they're basically probably staying in the same area. They're not really rowing all that much <laughs> in terms of physical uh, exertion. And they're tossing these things up, so they're providing some entertainment. And, you know, on a bigger ship with more people, with 150 people, I bet you they don't do bad. 
They must, or they wouldn't be keep doing it, right? So that was really one interesting aspect of the uh, of the trip to Egypt that uh, I was aware of, but I didn't, you know, until you really are in the middle of it and you see it happen and and get engaged in it. It was kind of fun, like I said, even for me, even though my tolerance rate was much lower than the average person. Um, it was kind of cool, and it and it was nice. It was you did get a chance to once again interact with them, and then and have jokes, and they they were laughing too. They they get it, um, you know. Oh yes, no, no, you want this one, right? But boom, it comes flying at you in a bag. You know, no, I don't want that one. No, you take a look at it. Boom, you know. So I mean, you know, they're using all the same sales techniques. The only difference is they're throwing it at you. <laughs> <laughs> from a from a, from a rowboat five decks down as opposed to either you know pushing you into their store or or putting something in your hand they're throwing it at you <laughs> it's a whole different kind of sales technique but still effective i think um so that was that's what really made the trip kind of fun too is that in the midst of all this uh this majesty and these these structures and these temples and these pyramids and, and, and these tombs and, and all these artifacts that we saw in Egypt, um, it, was, it was awe-inspiring every day. And everyone had a different story to tell and they were all similar and yet all different. Um, but then it was something like this that was so simple and so human and yet just as memorable, just as fun as seeing some of these amazing sights that we saw. And that's, I think, once again, that makes travel so interesting uh, is what you encounter when you leave home and especially when you leave our country and you, uh, you see the way different people live and their cultures and their beliefs and their likes and their foods and their architecture and everything about their lifestyles. It's, 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 it, 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 it's, it's, it's baffling to think of all the different people and all the different cultures all around the world that somehow we are all coexisting because they are so different in many ways. And yet, for all of our differences, there are still those same basic similarities too. And that's the lesson I think that's fun to learn when you travel, is that as different as places are and different as people are, they're all the same. And as crazy as... It is going to a car dealership, and I'm not just picking on car dealers, but that's you know a very common uh, kind of place where you go to buy a, a you know a specific kind of uh, of product, and you barter and you dicker with the guys, and and you go back and forth. Um, so here was a floating car dealership, but instead of cars. It was tablecloths and T-shirts and beach towels. <laughs> Only in Egypt. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. 
or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 357. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. Mister, mister! Do you like this tablecloth, mister? Mister!